Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you tuned in. Great conversation today with a young local entrepreneur here, CEO of Grit Virtual, Chris Callen. We've been fascinated with Chris's journey, his story. He was the head of his family's construction company, his father's business. He became the CEO, and then Chris couldn't find the kind of sophisticated project scheduling tool that he wanted, so he decided to create his own. And the result is a schedule generator that uses virtual reality software in the planning stages. It generates task priorities and consolidates status reports from multiple construction team members as the job advances. But I was fascinated with the way Chris carries himself uh, in the times that I've met him, so he agreed to sit down face-to-face and talk about uh, life leadership and his journey, and it was just a fun and fascinating conversation. One of my favorite conversations that I've had uh, with a young entrepreneur or CEO about life and leadership, and Chris definitely gets it, and it was an honor and a privilege to sit down with him learn more about him and his business and, and his journey, and I think uh, you're going to be impressed uh, with the wealth of knowledge uh, that this young man carries Already, and um, I'm excited to see where Grit Virtual goes. It's a brand new idea. It's a brand new company that uh, he walked away from uh, his father's business as the CEO and started his own. I guess about a year and seven months ago, I believe, somewhere in that that uh, time frame. But uh, again, it was just a great conversation, and I think you're really going to get a lot of nuggets about how to deal with limiting beliefs, um, setbacks, failures. What does failure even mean? All the great stuff that we talk about here on Dose of Leadership that's important to you as a leader in your journey. You have to conquer those limiting beliefs. You have to live in the world of faith, understanding that, you know, not necessarily knowing how it's going to get done, but just knowing it's going to get done and doing it with composure, confidence, consistency, and courage and and, um, all the things that we talk about here in Dose of Leadership. And Chris lives up to all of that. Uh, This show is brought to you by my course, Legacy Leader Blueprint. You've heard me talk about it. It's a great tool to introduce the culture of leadership to your organization. It's a great team building exercise. 20 videos broken up into four modules, five videos in each module from leadership fundamentals, leading yourself, leading others, and advanced leadership topics. And in between each module, you get an hour and a half, four one and a half hour sessions live with me to help cement and facilitate the material that you get in this course. And it doesn't break the bank. $350 a seat. It's a great economical choice to introduce leadership to your team into your organization. You can learn more at doseofleadership.com and go to the Legacy Leader Blueprint menu item and you can find some testimonials and see a video of what's included in the course. All right, great conversation. Here it is, Chris Callen, CEO of Grit Virtual here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Chris, I'm glad to sit down face-to-face with you. I know it's in the room, a little echoey here, but we'll fix that here. But man, thanks for 
invite me into your office, beautiful office here. It's a pleasure to sit down face-to-face and have this conversation. Absolutely. I reached out to you because I've known you from a distance. We kind of run around in the same circles for the last couple of years. And I've been intentional about trying to get, particularly here local in town, there's so many great entrepreneurs, so many great leaders, and I see you as one. So I kind of wanted to talk to you about your entrepreneur journey, your philosophy of leadership. So how did it start with you? How did you get to where you are as the CEO of Grit Virtual? So uh, that story actually starts from birth. Um, <laughs> I was born into a construction family. Right. Um, not only was uh, my father a president of a company, but uh, my, my mother and my sister also worked th- worked in the company uh, most of my childhood. So I'd, I'd spend Friday afternoons and weekends sweeping the shop floor, uh, going to job sites, yeah. uh, being around it. Uh, and that, uh, as with a lot of teenagers, uh, made me want to do anything else <laughs> than construction. construction. <laughs> right. So um, I found myself very drawn to technology. It's something that I understood. Mm-hmm. It's something that made sense. Uh, some early classes in middle school really kind of piqued my interest. And uh, that's when I eventually got my degree in. And my first career was in IT corporate development or corporate IT development. And um, I thought you made it. You thought you were there. Yeah, I, I, I was like, this is what, you know, this is what the, the degree I took was supposed to make me do. And I think it was day four. Day four. <laughs> that I decided, wow, uh, this product, um, I really don't have, I don't feel the gratification of a, a hard day's work and seeing the benefit or the outcome of, of what I put into it. Right. And I continued to have for conversations with my, my parents about this. And over the course of a few months, we identified that, you know, construction was seeing this influx of new technology right. and perhaps me with a unique uh, perspective on construction but also an education and perspective with technology it would make sense uh, to come back into the family company and uh, it was something that was in hindsight it, it's all laid out in a perfect path but I never thought I'd come back. Right. Yeah. So uh, I came back in the company about a year into it. I took over as CEO, mm-hmm. um, and that's Builders Plus uh, Concrete was actually turned into Builders Plus Construction as we wanted to showcase a lot of our uh, technology capabilities to uh, some of our clients as well. Yeah. Didn't want to be limited to just concrete because uh, a concrete contractor isn't exactly who you'd think of when you think of a technology expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we grew, uh, we had growing pains, but we introduced a lot of technology. Um, I, I searched far and wide for all the best solutions and it really came down to there were, there were technology, uh, technological feats that have been accomplished in other industries that still had yet to really get a firm grasp in construction. Mm-hmm. I knew it could be done. I knew it could be built if it had the appropriate application. Right. We couldn't find it. We continued to look. Uh, we continued to ask current providers to deviate and provide a solution. And we just got so frustrated that we said, we have to start doing this on our own because we see it. Everyone we talk to sees it. Um, and we, we built a division that we called Grit. Right. And we called it Grit because we know how lucratively hard it is going to be to introduce this type of change in a traditionally stubborn industry. Right. 
So we, we named it Grit just because what we were doing didn't have a name. Right. Uh, virtual construction, it, it's, it's too vague. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be vague, why not just go all the way and just use a, a word that doesn't necessarily describe the process, but might describe um, the, uh, the pain the, involved, the, pain involved <laughs> uh, the emotion behind yeah, it. Right. Um, so that's what we came up with Grit. It caught traction almost immediately. Um, not to say we haven't done our fair share of pivots, but mm-hmm. we caught traction, got accepted into a technology accelerator. Uh, that gave us the uh, strength to uh, spin it off. Um, and I spent three months in Kansas City with the Techstars Accelerator, uh, basically beating up the company and uh, seeing what the true principles of the software would be. And came out of that in October, and in November I formally resigned for Builders Plus Construction. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, uh, a few months later, we're a team of ten, uh, about to launch our beta product April second. Wow! So um, that's, that's the high level. Yeah, that's a, so many questions there. I mean, I love, <laughs> I love, I love that kind of uh, Cliff Notes version of the journey. Um, take me back. I want to go back to even when. So your father's running this concrete company at the time Correct. Right? as you're growing up you're sweeping floors uh, yeah everybody kind of I can see that I don't I've been around this my whole <laughs> life I don't want I have nothing to do with concrete so I get it so you go on and you're trying to find your way you go there and I think we we all kind of do that we say I'm going to do this and we we think we know we're going to be our own man our own person right and you're like wow this isn't what it's cracked up to be so I'm curious when you're at that point when you realize in day four that man this kind of sucks you know was it an automatic, maybe I should go back to the business? Did you see yourself as an entrepreneur at that time? I mean, you, yeah. you did. You always knew that you were an entrepreneur. That was more apparent than my, my love for construction. I still right. quite hadn't figured it out uh, in the early, you know, day four of, of my, <laughs> right. my career. I did immediately identify the fact that, you know, I never knew my father to have a boss. He right. always was an entrepreneur, and I, I identified that even in the interviewing process of uh-huh. my my Fortune 200 job, uh, that I don't see things the same way. I'm not fitting in here. I, I immediately saw that, you yeah. know, people, uh, and it was uh, it was in Colorado, so there was a lot of other things to do besides work. Right. Uh, a lot of great things that I, I definitely enjoyed, but when everyone's clocking out at four o'clock, and I'm sitting there saying, I want to I want to build something. Right. Um, but I have to wait on 20 other uh, representatives from different departments. And that that, that immediately uh, just said, you know, this this is probably not the best fit for you. So it was kind of a good, you know, yeah, sometimes we don't know what we have until we're away from it or what, you know, that clarity, that alignment that comes in through that kind of natural process of trying to find your own. And yeah, right. it's kind of like, okay, I know. It, it was at least one more notch into to the kind of clarification of who you were, right? You right. got validated at that moment, it sounds like. Right. And so was the was your dad going, yeah, come on back? Or was your dad like, hey, do whatever you want? Or I mean, has he, was he, did he always have a vision of you kind of being in the business and turning it over? And... I, I've never directly asked him whether he knew I would do it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he absolutely never pushed me. Right. He, he honestly uh, didn't even really pose it. He waited for 
me to come up with it. And my mother to was... To make it your own decision. Yeah. Correct. Uh-huh. And, and I, I can't appreciate... I, I probably wouldn't have responded well to it. Yeah. Uh, and my mother was right alongside these same conversations because she was... Uh, she's as active as my father is in the company. Right. But uh, they intentionally kind of said, you know, they let it out there and let me come to it and... Uh, didn't push it at all. Yeah. Was it their decision to put you in that CEO role right away, or was it your request, or how did that happen? So it was about 11 months after I came on. I started as an estimator and project manager, um, and we, we knew that we had a dysfunctional uh, structure of the company. Um, my father wears a lot of hats. He knows how to do everything, and uh, that's great, but uh, when you do everything, you don't do uh, many things particularly well. So we understood we needed to find specialists in certain roles and uh, also had the conversation about with my education that I would be more of a better manager maybe than a uh, down-in-the-weeds type specialist. Mm -hmm. So um, we had the conversation but they they were the ones that brought it up and said we uh, believe in you to have that the skill set of being able to, to build a team and uh, to point us in the right direction. Yeah. I wonder, I'm curious if how much of it them were like, how intentional it was to, because obviously they saw the potential. I mean, most parents do in their kids, right? Sure. It, it sounds like your parents did in you. I just wonder how intentional it was like, okay, I want to do this because I know he's going to get all these great lessons that he otherwise wouldn't get, right? right. And so it was, it's, it's admirable to me from an outsider looking in that he had the courage to do that, right? I mean, because there's all kinds of ramifications for having, oh, well, here comes the sun and let right. him, right? And what, he hasn't been, has he paid his, okay, yeah, I saw him right. sweeping floors when he was 17. But. Yeah. No, and, and that's exactly it. And the fact that they had the, the trust. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the willingness to come. The, the think, and thinking about it is, you know, for three years after that, that, that point, um, it was a, a family business, two generation, but it was flip flopped. Yeah, my uh, my parents were technically reporting to me, right? Um, and but that's not at all how we acted. You right. know, I, I continually asked them for their for their sage advice. Interesting. What? So okay, the baton's been passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, for what did you feel? Confidence. Uh, <laughs> you we were talking in the pre-interview that you, you had turned boldly er, uh, ignorant. Were you boldly ignorant at that point? Were you scared to death? Where were you? Take me back to that moment. I don't think ignorant is strong enough of a word. <laughs> um, I was very bold. Um, I, I believed that my technology education would would easily be able to come in and, and uh, you know shortcut a lot of the manual processes that exist mm-hmm. in construction. Um, I definitely underestimated it, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the first year as CEO, we, we honestly had some some significant setbacks. Uh, we had some projects that didn't go well based on uh, how we treated the the software. Uh, the software was telling us one thing based on the inputs we gave it, and mm-hmm. uh, thought we had figured it out. And really, it, you know, there's a reason that certain things are done certain ways, mm-hmm. and um, you know. The, the caveat of failing is that it's very quick. And if you can fail quick and mitigate the loss of those failures, right. it's one of the most um, valuable uh, valuable teachings that you can ever have. Yeah. Um, 
you know, my, my father doesn't have a business degree, uh, and uh, I do. And my, he said he, you know, he learned from the school of hard knocks, and that's going out there and, and failing and learning from it. And he said between the costs of learning that way and the cost of a college degree, he didn't know which one was more expensive. <laughs> right. But we kind of went to the same, uh, the same process, but about, about 16 to 18 months into that CEO role, I, I kind of got, I started to hit my stride. Started getting some legs underneath. Yes, and the, the damages were, were non, uh, non-life-threatening. non Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd made it through the dip, so it was a, a rough year. We had some uh, fantastic team members that believed in the vision, believed in the goal, believed in the uh, everyone else on the team, and uh, stuck through it with us, but it was not easy. Yeah, well, a couple of things that really stick out to me in, in seeing how you're responding to that and the answers that you give and, and God, doing this show and talking to, you know, if there's any theme that stands out from these 350 plus conversations I've already had, it's that kind of mindset of failure. And I know that you've heard this in the accelerators when we talk about entrepreneurship here and leadership. Right. It's like, what does that word even mean? Right. It's like, it's just, it's almost like a nonsensical word. It's almost like you have to do it. Yeah. They're just a, it's never a straight linear path. And that's mm-hmm. the one thing that drives me crazy when I see <laughs> businesses, entrepreneurs, people, uh, particularly large organizations that are very bureaucratic and they say, we need to do more planning, more planning, more planning. Look, we need to plan, but it's just a different mindset of planning, right? I think that right. you, you understand what I heard you say there, that failure is part of the necessary process to get to the eventual goal, right? It's a zigzag goal. It's never linear, right? right? And you're okay with that. I mean, oh, absolutely. you have to, you, that's just the price of admission, right? That's what I'm getting this trying to well, say. Well, it's, it's like hacking through a forest. You got a machete. You can't see further than right. six feet ahead of you. Right. And you're just going to chop away until you run into a, a cliff mm-hmm. and you see the cliff and, you know, that path was a failure. Right. And if you turn around and, and continue a, a new path, then that's, that's that's acceptable. If you stop at the end of that path, that path or the failure turns into you and your ambitions, not just that avenue. Right. So you you're only uh, you're only in trouble if you stop searching. Yeah, it's I love that you said it's kind of like, and I'm a big fan of stoicism on what the Stoics said, where the obstacle becomes the way. Right. Right. The professional understands that the obstacle actually defines. The character of the individual and the ultimate victory, if you keep, it's how you deal with that obstacle, right? right? The amateur yeah. just puts the machete down and sits there in front of the obstacle and cries, <laughs> right? And right. So that's the difference. And that's, and, yeah. and the, and the great thing that I think that people need to take away with that is that you are completely 100% in control of that choice. Correct. And, and that's what I love about that's what I'm gleaning from your story and what I'm hearing from you. It's like, it's just, and you probably got that just watching your dad for right. years, trying to make payroll, trying to find a new client, right? you know, dealing with, you know, bad concrete mixture and right. getting someone, pit, whatever. You well, know. And, and concrete's about the worst mistake you can make. <laughs> right. That's a big <laughs> mistake. It is, it is hard to, uh, <laughs> to correct. So right. there's a lot of planning that goes into it. So the, the, the mindset of how you approach the activities you're doing doesn't always uh, match the mindset of that ambitious vision of uh, people and teams mm-hmm. and um, 
processes and, and other paths. Right. You're, you're so ingrained in the kind of entrepreneurship community here in Wichita. And I know we've seen a resurgence here over the last few years. And again, that's kind of where we met in those same circles. Um, I, to me, leadership and entrepreneurship is, is under the same umbrella. At some point, you know, when we talk about entrepreneurship, it's always about the virtual capital fund, you know, raising capital, the, the marketing, the product, all those things. And no one really talks about leadership. At some point, the entrepreneur is going to have to figure out leadership if they're going to take their business to a whole other level, right? You seem to get that, I think. I think that's where your advantage is you've had to deal with that, obviously, as a CEO. Um, you've seen the advantages of leadership. Talk to me a little bit about that gap. Do you see that in some of these entrepreneurs that you've been running in circles with, even at the accelerators, you've been exposed to that? Do they talk about leadership in that sense? Or, I mean, is it just kind of a, a given? Or there, is there intentionality behind it? So leadership is so ingrained in entrepreneurs and, and mm -hmm. startup founders. Um, the interesting thing that has happened over the last 10 years is that the, uh, the innovative companies are companies that are uh, essentially built by, you know, nerds and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, people who understand technology. And, mm -hmm. um, they, I wouldn't say there's a direct correlation or an inverse correlation between, uh, you know, being able to get in front of a crowd of 500 and also being able to sit down for day and night and, and write out a, a, a software program. But, it's uh, it's very interesting to see this new breed of entrepreneur come up and understand that they're going to show their leadership in a much different fashion. Mm -hmm. The the smartest one in the room is is uh, at a pitch competition is is rarely the guy wearing a nice blazer. It's usually the one in a black hoodie in the back with a laptop. Um, so you have this difference, but you know. The, the thing I, you know, we get in these conversations about how do we support entrepreneurs, um, we can put all of the resources uh, available to them, but they have to have the, the drive to go out and, and capture it. And that's um, something that I think that the right ones will rise to the top, and that's, mm -hmm. the, that's the kind of the intrinsic power of entrepreneurship. Yeah, and I think that all great leaders, all great entrepreneurs, this is where I think they're tied the ones that take businesses to sustainable legacy building levels, um, they suspend the. There is that 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 aspect of of. Um, it's almost like you're living in a world of faith. In other words, that you suspend the belief in how things are going to get done. You just know they're going to get done. Right. Even when that looks insurmountable, that obstacle is is touching your nose, maybe even scraping it and getting some blood coming off your nose. You still know somehow you're going to see through it. And right. that takes a tremendous amount of internal fortitude and faith. And I think that's the part that, and, and the same thing with leadership. I don't care if, even if you're not an entrepreneur running a business, right. there are those cold, dark, on the hill, isolated moments where leaders, it's the same thing, mm -hmm. right? And you have to dig down deep and not panic, right? Right. It's, it, it's a conversation I have with uh, our CTO, Ben, you know, six, seven months ago, we came up with the date April 2nd. And uh, now that's 12 days away, and that's, you know, very real. But, mm -hmm. you know, back in September, that was, oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's months away. <laughs> right. We don't have to worry about that. Right. We've got plenty of time for a beta release. Um, and, and really all you have to do is you have to, you got to set expectations for yourself and your team and keep each other accountable. And as you move throughout that path, 
you, you continue to find and adjust. Mm -hmm. And the more you discover, the more you know, um, but also the more you discover, the more you find what you don't know. Right. And it'll take you down these other paths. And it's, it's exciting and terrifying right. all at the same time. And it's something that I think that if you're not intrinsically motivated or motivated by the terror, <laughs> then you will most likely run out of gas. Yeah, I, I love what you said there, and I think it's it's you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. There's no other way. Absolutely, you have to be. And I think if you can be that calm, composed, guiding force within the chaos, that is to me more than half the battle and and it takes a tremendous amount of character and intestinal fortitude tenacity really is, is the, mm -hmm. it, it's it's more than talent like everybody kind of looks at the talent and mm -hmm. the degrees and what you've accomplished and, sure. and it's really the tenacity that really is is the overriding factor here right yeah i would absolutely agree there's a there's a very large gap between knowledge and character yeah and for i sure. think uh, character is something you'll always have um, and, and largely will, uh, will, will grow at a slower sp uh, pace mm -hmm. than your, your knowledge might. But, uh, if you don't have, you know, that, that burning desire deep inside you that, uh, will get you off uh, the flat of your back if you get knocked mm -hmm. down, um, because that's, that's what this game is. It's, yeah. it's full contact. And, uh, if you fall when you get hit, then you're, you're not going anywhere. Right. Um, everyone likes to show off these uh, innovative companies 20 years after the fact and say, wow, what a novel idea to sell books online and call it Amazon. Wow. What, did you see that picture of his office? He came from nothing. He just immediately came out and did it. But you look at a history. Everyone has the, the, the things that didn't go right. Yeah. It's, it, it, you have to. I mean, yes. And like we were talking, I love that analogy is like you, you have to be, like you said, boldly ignorant to jump off the cliff. And we want the parachute or the wings to come out immediately, but the reality is it's not. And yeah. you're, you're going to hit the side of the cliff, you're going to bounce off. But eventually the parachute or the wings will unfold if you stay at it long enough. Sure. Right. Now it may not look like you initially thought. Right. Know, but I think that's part of the, the journey that you have to embrace, right? I don't think you can do it any other way. Right. And the and the a big key factor I want uh, the thing that I, I guess the biggest takeaway I've got from the those quote unquote failures or those the end of paths or dead ends is um, you know there's a difference between getting a negative feedback from a person and uh, on your idea or finding tangible evidence that it is not. Uh, doable, right? I think. I mean, there's so much talk today about haters and uh, you know <laughs> right. people that uh, you know naysay against your activity, but you know those are. I, I encourage those conversations all the time. Every time I go to a contractor, I say, "I want you to tell me why I'm wasting my time building grit." And by the end of this hour, if you can't explain that to me, then I'm going to keep building it. Right. And that's something that you have to take. You take that feedback with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. You understand what your principles are, what you're going to continue to do based upon your personal experience and your vision, but leave it open to flexibility so that you don't go off and build a product or feature that no one wants. Yeah. So where do you want grit? I mean, here we are we're a couple of weeks away from the, the beta launch. In your mind's eye, 
What is Grit Virtual going to do for the construction industry? So we've been, uh, you know, working on this in, in a, you know, not only a, a marketing sense, but just how do we, how do we explain our story? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a lot of practice. Um, the, the feedback we've received is, is basically completely different for whatever geographical region you go to or what type of company or what, um, whatever it might be. But the terminology we've really landed on is agile construction. Mm-hmm. Um, almost every principle we have built inside of the inside of the software comes from an agile methodology that has evolved from lean uh, from the Toyota way uh, software development agile project uh, management and we really come down to understanding that if your information systems that are being used to manage your projects only touch five percent of the humans on the job site, then they are always going to be a top-down mm-hmm. uh, delivery method. Right. Softwares today are used to generate a, a, a blueprint or a schedule or whatever it might be, but that's still a, okay, I've generated this, now go execute work. Mm-hmm. I want you to go build this. And the problem with that process is, is when the other 95% get access to the deliverables out of those softwares, there's a lot of things that come up. Mm-hmm. Big principle of agiles that everyone on your team must interface with the system that is running the job site. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we found in the power of VR is that we can put someone inside of a data-rich 3D environment and teach them within 60 seconds how to navigate and interact. Mm-hmm. That allows anyone to uh, kind of drop the barrier of entry of training and have them immediately begin to interact, input, edit their knowledge into the system. But you have to build a completely different style of system in order to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a thing, a, a couple softwares, or probably five or six, have really, really tried to go out there and do. Um, and, and we just see ourselves being the first that truly lower all the barriers that will allow uh, the entire project team to be on the same page. And so is the idea, um, and obviously anybody has been involved in any type of building project, I remember building the house, um, it was a, and I had a really great contractor, it was a great experience, sure. I mean, I had a great foreman, so, you know, he, and he, they had great subs, Right. and it was a pretty painless process, but even then, right. Um, I can remember a half a dozen instances where like, I, how come I told him not, you know, right. we didn't account for whatever the vent being here. And that's the same place I need to run Correct. whatever. And so like, there's a problem here and that's what we're trying to avoid, right? Those little type of trying to eliminate as much of those as possible before we start, you know, laying a frame or putting right. a hammer to nail. Right. I mean, yeah. That's the once, ultimate. once it's physical, it, it costs money. Right. Um, our, our, our motto, our old motto used to be reality sucks mm-hmm. because once it's reality, it, it costs money to repair. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why these virtual worlds, these virtual interfaces, uh, allow everyone to see the scenario as it will be when it is physical. Mm-hmm. And it, it may, that may sound simplistic, but every one of the, uh, issues that you identified was identi- was, was prompted at some point in time. 
and was prompted by a new data point. Either a, your, a new subcontractor showed up and identified that there was an issue with this installation. Mm -hmm. That's a data point. Either something that you thought was going to happen and it didn't happen that way. That was a conversation that wasn't captured and, and, right. and distributed. Right. Another data point. So if we can take those same um, aspects of miscommunication, attach them to a environment that everyone has access to, uh, we're essentially creating a virtual job site right. that everyone has access to and we can make these adjustments, log the changes and make sure that everyone has access uh, to the most up-to-date single source of truth uh, about what's going to happen. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I even when I think back to a couple of those instances I had in building the house. It was, um, you know, the change was if you looked at the the, the change request or how it was, right. it, it got stopped here, and this guy had you know not the newest version, right? right? And then how does that happen? How's that communication? And again, and I guess we get kind of used to. I mean, that's where that great kind of foreman that oversees all the subs and making sure all that happens. But right. hopefully this, from what I'm seeing, it cuts down on the, that process change. It puts everything in one place for, for, for the change requests. It puts, uh, everybody talking on the same page, right? And, right. and I'm just trying to keep it in layman's terms, right? And sure. What doing. I mean, it's the same thing. We use, we use, uh, GPS or Google Maps as a metaphor. Um, you know, we're going to give you the, the map to where you want to go. We're going to give you the route on mm -hmm. what turns, how long is it going to take you. Um, and we're going to show you how far along you are on that path. And that's kind of the micro version of it is what am I doing? How is my schedule affected um, by this project? The macro effect of that is that we're tracking everyone else. Right. And that in the GPS or Google Maps metaphor, you think of as traffic. Mm -hmm. As you're traveling to your destination, I often get uh, updates and right. say, There's hey, car wreck up ahead. Car right. wreck up ahead. We found a quicker route. We found the uh, least or the shortest uh, deviation for you. And that's something that our system will be able to prompt before you miss the exit. Right. And you're stuck in that, in that queue. Yeah. yeah. Once you, once you find the wreck, uh, it's too late to really do anything other than stop and wait. Right. And that's the, the frustrations that if I can distribute that information to you at the point that you can find a contingency plan, mm -hmm. um, the entire ecosystem of traffic starts to gel a lot smoother. That's interesting. You know, and I guess, you know, even from simple things like, well, is it a knockdown ceiling or is it a popcorn ceiling? You know, I mean, right. And the guy's supposed to put the ceiling in. I'm assuming he and did. Which tools did he show which up tool with? He, right. Yeah. Interesting. So that's exciting, man. I think anything that you can do, I'm a process operations junkie too. So anything you can do that you can eliminate waste and, and make processes more efficient, I'm all for. And I'm a big fan. I, and I imagine that the technology piece, You've always kind of, you saw it, right. and you're like, how do I articulate? There's got to be a better way, got to be a better way. I mean, right. That's what I'm sensing that was happening inside your brain all those years. And well, last, last year, basically, Grit was a PowerPoint product. Mm -hmm. It existed in a PowerPoint deck, and that's it. Yeah. So between that and multiple whiteboard sessions, it was <laughs> yeah. incredibly difficult to not only show this uh, these brand new practices we were going to do, but 
completely different principle set of who should be using the system and what should they do while they're in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that we have the interfaces and the, and the software to show, uh, it's become much easier to get that buy-in from those that uh, don't necessarily, haven't seen it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Well, this is exciting, man. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I knew this would be a good conversation. He didn't, I mean, and there's so much more that we could explore um, from a leadership, entrepreneurship front. What advice would you give somebody out there who's thinking of an idea? Um, doesn't even have to be an entrepreneur, but someone that's kind of wanting to, to, I'd like to jump off the cliff, but that just seems too daunting. What would you, what advice would you give them? I, I think the thing is, is find, uh, Find find the end of that path as quickly as possible. Um, something that I I, ha- I got emboldened to do was, uh, you know, look up who do you think in the in the entire world who is the one that will say yay or nay to your idea and give you the authentic feedback and give you authentic feedback and, and go after it. Yeah, I, stalk them on LinkedIn. Put up a, a a targeted video that says, "Hey, you, uh, I want to know your feedback." Um, and I, I can't remember the name of the, the the law, but you know, there's a there's a, a law that uh, you know, if you want to know the answer to a question, don't ask a question. Mm-hmm. Say a answer that's way wrong. Right. Because you are more. It's more likely to, for you to be corrected than someone to answer your question. Yeah, that's a great point. So if you go out there and, and it doesn't matter what you say, say it's your best, it's, it's as far as your idea has gotten, but go out there and declare it. Make a statement, have a stand. Have it, yeah, and say it. And then when you get the feedback, analyze it and truly look into it. And if it's a better choice, then say, fantastic, you helped me out, I appreciate it. Not only am I going to adjust the way that I'm looking at it, but I'd love to keep you ingrained in what I'm doing. Will you take on a mentorship role? Will you take on an advisor role? And just putting yourself out there, and I think the the, the kind of coupling into that is a more broad sense of think big. Yeah. If you are a technology, software as a service company, if your product is going to be on the web, you are competing day one with everyone on the planet. Yeah. And you need to know that mm-hmm. because there's no reason that you can't still win, but you can't compete against the guy two towns over. Right. This is a, this is a, a globally competitive world, but that's also what makes it so exciting. You don't have to be Apple. You just need to sat, you know, you need to find out who whatever problem you're trying to solve. Well, solve. Apple Apple fought giants too. That's right. That's and, exactly right. And, and they, they solved had, a certain problem for a certain group of people right. at the time. Right. And they believed in it and don't and they have pivoted as much as many times right. as any other company. And you know, pivots aren't always huge and they're not always all encompassing, but that's how you have to approach innovation is that you don't know the right answer, but sometimes the best way to get the right answer is to just put yourself out there, let yourself get beat up, and pick up the pieces and say, yeah, this is better than what I came in with. Yeah, great advice. And what I heard you say in there too, you didn't say it directly, but I think that the value of surrounding yourself, um, asking, yep. uh, find these people, and I, I'm a I couldn't have done this show if I didn't. People always ask, well, how'd you get so-and-so on the show? I just asked them. Right. And I don't mean to be flippant or arrogant about it. I'm nobody special. I just asked them. 
and I did it in an authentic, genuine way. And that's what I heard you say. And that is like, look, this is what I'm trying to do. I'd really appreciate your feedback. You'd be surprised at the answers you get. Right. Well, this, this 2018 world, I mean, everything is inauthentic. Yeah. And if you show the, the smallest, uh, glimpse of being a, uh, a humble, a representative well said. A, a person, yeah. then people respond to that. Absolutely. And, uh, it's, the world is as small as it's ever been, and you can get connected overnight with people that, um, you know, you would you you think you don't have access to, but you do, and you do. And I think in the key to that is being authentic. I think too much we try to, you know, we go for the jab. You and I talked about that at coffee last week. You know, it's like, well, I just want to have a conversation, and, and you know, and, and I even see it like, well, what's this guy going to sell me? Right? We were so yeah. inundated with. Yeah, you know, getting jab, you know, right hooks. Well, let's just do jabs like Gary Vaynerchuk's, you know, just let's get to know this person. Let's add some value to this person's life. Right. And be authentic. Yeah. And then it'll, it'll all fall into place eventually, right? No matter the size of a corporation, no matter the, the startup, whatever it is, we're all people. Right. And people share um, a lot of that same trait. And if you can connect with the individual mm-hmm. and make a, a lasting impression with them, um, that that's all corporations are. That's all VCs are. That's all uh, competition is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and looking at if you if you look at it from that light, the the world is much more approachable. Yeah, well said. And I love this conversation. I'm approaching <laughs> 40 minutes. There's so much I want to do. Last thing: What are your personal habits? What would you what, what do you do on a daily basis? And you, you seem like a guy that's constantly trying to improve. Do you do anything that you try to improve? Uh, just for Chris himself. Sure. Uh, I listen to a lot of music. Um, I, I basically constantly have this music as a background. Um, I, I find that it keeps me kind of in this fluid motion. Yeah. It keeps me going. Uh, if, if I don't have music on, I feel like I don't know exactly what, you know, which road to travel down. Music has been a huge aspect of my life. Um, that's why I'm very involved with the Wichita Symphony. Um, but you, you have to take time to disconnect. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very much a, I'll work 60, 70 hours a, a, a week, but those hours are almost always between 5 a.m. Monday and 5 p.m. on Friday. Mm-hmm. I intentionally take my weekends to disconnect and, and almost, you know, zone out the things that happen during the week. And I think that, um, you have to have a disconnect. People do it in different ways. Um, and I'll uh, always be a proponent that if you don't, if you don't go out there and shift your perspective, you're going to, you're going to miss things in your inside of those work days. Yeah. And if you go shift your perspective by just relaxing or you go, uh, you know, have a, a weekend with friends or whatever it might be, you're going to come back and, that experience provided new perspectives. Yeah. So push your experiences, uh, talk to people. Uh, people, no matter if they're a business contact or not, are always going to give you a unique uh, understanding of how they see the world. Which, uh, if you take that and have uh, you have empathy with the way that they see it, um, you can usually come back and say, "I have a new." Uh, viewpoint to uh, the problems that I'm facing. Yeah, love it. Chris, great conversation, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to do it. I hope people got some great 
uh, nuggets out there in life and leadership and entrepreneurship. I know I did, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate the opportunity, and uh, thank you. Thanks, Chris. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page and reach out to me. Let me know where you're at your leadership journey. Also, if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader, go to LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Fill out your email and you gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access, exclusive access, to my online leadership course. That's LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Hope to see you on the inside. Thanks for tuning into the show.